Good morning, friends. Uh, this morning, I am not at a church. Rather, I'm at Westminster uh, Village. It's a retirement facility in Bloomington, Illinois. And today's message is, All You Need Is Love. It's based on 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 to 24, in case you want to grab your Bibles. Some of you that are as old as I am may remember, way back in July of 1967, the Beatles were asked to come up with a song with a message understood by everyone. Their manager, Brian Epstein, said it was an inspired song, and they really wanted to give the world a message. And he went on to say the nice thing about it is that it cannot be misinterpreted. It's a clear message saying that love is everything. It kind of goes this way. There's nothing you can do that can't be undone, nothing you can sing that can't be sung. Nothing you can say, but you can learn how to play the game. It's easy. Nothing you can make that can't be made. No one you can save that can't be saved. Nothing you can do, but you can learn how to be you in time. It's easy. And then that familiar refrain, all you need is love. All you need is love. All you need is love. Love Love is all you need. Well, today as we talk about love, it shouldn't surprise you at all when I say that contrary to what you see in the movies and hear in popular music, Love is not a feeling. Love is something you do. So today I want to demythologize our notions of love and clarify what love really is according to the Bible. We're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 3. And there are four clarifications about love that I want to draw to your attention. The first thing I want you to see is that love is a non-negotiable fundamental of the Christian faith. Listen to what John said in verse 11. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Well, friends, doctrine is necessary. Knowledge of the truth is necessary. Faith, obedience, holiness, these are all necessary. But the one level higher on the ladder of the Christian life is love. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And then, of course, it ends up with says, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Now, over the years, we've tried to make the Christian life about many different things, like how you dress, how you vote, how you worship, how to spend your money, how well you do the do's and don't the don'ts. I mean, these are all matters that a Christian needs to consider to some degree, but we must always remember that the top step of the ladder will always be love. John said, you have heard this message from the beginning. He's saying that since day one, the heart of the Christian message, the mark of true spirituality, is love. And he emphasizes this idea way down in verse 23, and he says, And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. This means that if you have been entertaining the idea that loving others is a secondary or tertiary value, that theology or doctrine or politics or anything else is more important, then I'm hoping the truth of the Word of God will jolt us all into reality and challenge us to accept this fundamental non-negotiable precept of the Christian life. Love matters most. Love comes first. The greatest of these is love. This is our first clarification. Here's the second one. Love, or the lack thereof, reveals the state of your heart. 
John wrote in verse 14, If we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death to life. He's saying that love is the evidence of God's life within you. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, he will say, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. And then listen to what he says in verse 8. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. If we've been born of God, we will live a life of love. And for this reason, love belongs at the top level of the ladder. And then in verse 15, John, John said something that we dare not ignore. He said, anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. Wow. And then he goes on, he says, and you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. Now, friends, if love is primarily just a feeling and you don't have that feeling, these verses would be terrifying because they would seem to say that if you don't feel love, then you <clears throat> don't have God in your life. But let me remind you, it's not just a feeling that John is after. He's challenging us toward the idea of love in action. Love is a non-negotiable fundamental of the Christian life. Its presence or its absence reflects the state of your heart. In other words, Love is the proof that God lives in you. <clears throat> Jesus said in John 13, verse 35, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Love or a lack thereof, lack thereof reveals the state of your heart. That is why uh, love is so important. Here is the third clarification I want to make about love. Love is demonstrated through sacrificial kindness. We don't have to guess about what love looks like. We have a perfect image of love in the example of Jesus, the Christ. John says in verse 16, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. And then he says, so we ought also to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, the fact is that you will probably never be called upon to literally give up your life for someone else. That's the kind of sacrifice you'll most likely never be asked to make. But I can tell you what certainly will happen you will be called upon to give up a part of your life for someone else. You will be called upon to give up your time for someone else. You will be called upon to extend a helping hand. You will be called upon to give up your pride or your right to be angry or to give up your impatience for the benefit of someone else. These are tough sacrifices to make because if you give up your life, literally, for someone else, it will make headlines. But when you merely give up your time for someone else, hardly anyone will notice. And yet, this is the kind of sacrifice that the gospel calls us to make for one another. So here's a little challenge I want to lay out in front of you. In fact, I'm laying it out in front of myself. Think of the people you love the most. Now, ask yourself, how am I demonstrating my love through sacrifice? You see, friends, every relationship you have that is defined by love should involve some level of sacrifice on your part. This obviously applies to your family. It also applies to your friendships. It applies to your church. It applies to all those you profess to love. It's a good question we must ask ourselves. Am I willing to sacrifice for the good of others? Am I willing to lay down a part of my life for the good of others? John goes on to say in verse 17, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Now, before you all get jittery, you don't have enough money to solve everyone's financial problems or to meet everyone's financial needs. That's not at all what this verse is about. 
<clears throat> but most of us do have enough to do at least something for someone in need. Love compels us to show compassion to those who are in need and to do what we can. One of the, uh, A pastor that I, I've listened to on occasion is Adrian Rogers, and I remember him once saying, faith that hasn't reached your wallet probably hasn't reached your heart. You see, love is demonstrated through generosity just as love is demonstrated through sacrifice. Most often, the sacrifice we're called on to make is a sacrifice of time and or a sacrifice of money. Now, your time is yours and your money is yours, and you can do with them as you please. But if you're serious about living a life of love, love compels you to be willing to show sacrificial kindness to those whom God has placed in your life and even those he has placed in your path. This is the example we see in Jesus. It's the example the Bible challenges us to imitate. Listen to, listen to Philippians 2, chapter, six, uh, chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. You see, friends, God's love is demonstrated through sacrifice. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. That's in Romans 5.8. Though we certainly didn't deserve it, he was willing to lay down his life for you and me, and he challenges us to do the same for one another. Now, that doesn't mean you'll be called upon to die for other people, but it does mean that you'll be called upon to live for others and give to others. Love is demonstrated through sacrifice. A relationship that costs you nothing is a relationship built on convenience and not love. That brings me to my fourth clarification. It's this. Love is an action, not an emotion. It's something you do, not something you feel. It's something you do, not something you merely say. In verse 18, it says, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. In James chapter 2, verse 18, it says, I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Now, John is essentially saying the same thing. He's saying that we show our love through our actions. The problem is we've all been kind of programmed the wrong way. We've developed this idea that love is a feeling that may or may not lead to certain actions, but the feeling is really what it's all about. Recently, I heard a man insist that he loves his wife in spite of the fact that he's been unfaithful continually. I mean, he loves his family in spite of the fact that he spends almost no time with them, and in fact, he doesn't even provide for them very well, not because he's poor, because he's selfish. And yet he insists, in my heart, I love them. Well, it doesn't take a whole lot of brains of discernment to figure that one out. That's not love. I mean, someone challenges claim by saying, no, you don't really feel feel love in your heart, or you wouldn't act that way. Well, that's taking the wrong approach, even though it's the approach we've been programmed to take. It's based on the idea that love is a feeling that leads to actions. 